Welcome back to That's Effin' Weird, where we get into the meat and taters of all that effin' weird material floating around out there. From the strange to the unexplained, we've got you covered. So strap on your helmets and put your Crocs in four-wheel drive, because you won't want to miss today's episode. Well, you listened, or not listened, but you read the title of this episode. I am sure you are pretty interested in what we have to say about that. Hitler. Yes, we are going to be talking about De Fuhrer and... If he is, maybe not is, I mean, he's probably dead by now, but if he actually did die in the bunker or he didn't. But before we get into all of that, we're going to introduce the host and we actually have someone on here to help us through this episode. So I am Alex. I am Clark, a.k.a. the I am, Michael. I am Seth. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have Eric on as a guest. Eric, thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, no problem, Alex. Well, Eric, before we uh, actually get into all of this, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to come onto the show? Um, so, yeah, my name is Eric. Um, I uh, just want to put a disclaimer out. I am not a historian. Um, this topic came up from sheer interest from my upbringing. My father was really big into World War II stuff. Um, so I just kind of started getting into it. Um, I am from the United States. Um, but other than that, like I'm, I've been ready and waiting for this episode for a while now. It is a pretty interesting one. I will, I will say that the, so we'll, we'll just, we'll just go right for the throat right now. Right. So the idea or the thought behind it is that possibly Hitler didn't die in the bunker. Now talking a little bit before the show had started, Eric, that is something that you think is a possibility that did happen is that, Hitler didn't commit suicide. It was something where he did have the ability to escape from Germany and go to a different location, aka, and then start up another possibly Fourth Reich from from leaving the bunker. Now, that's something that, to me, I feel like that is something where if if that is the possibility, we would have heard about it. Maybe not heard about it. Cause I, I feel like there was like these little networks that were like, did know, but I feel like it's something that we would have, I guess, been brought up to know during like, you know, school and everything like that. I don't know. I just feel like it's why, why was it that we were told that he did die in the bunker? You know what I mean? Like, why is that? Um, because I, I, I honestly believe that. Um, so the period, uh, Let's say 1914, um, with the uh, World War One going through World War Two, Germany was a uh, kind of a touchy area, kind of a touchy subject in the realms of historians and uh, the present present day. Um, and I feel that that there was just so much happening after 1945 that they essentially came up with a conclusion um, of what they were told by uh, certain people, and they just kind of started. Uh, talking about it and kind of just kind of, if you will, threw it out to the population and the public and the world because it was such a drastic time and there were so many people that did die and nobody wanted to essentially relive those horrors if, if, or if not, uh, Hitler being, uh, sorry, killing himself in the bunker. It's just, so I, I, and I think that's like, so there's, there's a show on Hulu. I suggest everyone watch it is that it's, it's called hunting Hitler. And in one of the, one of the episodes, the, uh, 
I forgot the the actual person. There's a there's a whole team um in this show and one of them goes to Germany and goes and meets with uh what was it Hitler's wife uh what was her name um Eva Brunn thank you it's her last living um relative right and they go to her door like I don't know how they figured out where she lives but they they figure that out they go to her door and then they they ask her like hey we're we're looking into like the you know, they kind of give a rundown of um, like what they're investigating, everything like that. And she just stops them right there. And she's like, no, like, stop. Like, I don't want we're trying to get over this. And even like it's weird, like even how this happened more than like 70 years ago, it's close to what, what, 80 now, 80 years ago that this had happened. And they're still trying to just get over it, move on and everything like that. So it's it's very interesting how even today. It's something where we don't talk about it very much and it's just, just move on, just let it go and everything. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, effing weird, I would say. So, uh, yeah. So just a caveat on that, I don't I hope I'm not interjecting on anybody, but if, uh, if you notice that, um, the, the third Reich was very influential, um, and, and certain like, I guess, countries or political leaders, they were essentially afraid to talk about them, if you will, um, because of the uh, atrocities that they could possibly commit or if they did or what they did commit. Um, but also, too, as you find out further along in the in that TV series that uh, there's people still today down in uh, Argentina that if you murmur or whisper the word Nazi, they just turn face and they don't they, they just walk away from you because that's so drastic of what the, the Nazi regime did. And Clark, so you you have a degree, correct, in in history, in military history, correct? Like specifically? Yes. Now, granted, my focus was in tactics and technology and how that evolves. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you have to study wars and certain figures uh, to do that. So, yeah, uh, while World War II is not my, I guess, say my forte, um, definitely that era war one American civil war. That's more of my wheelhouse. But I mean, obviously I've studied basically the evolution of war was what my specialty was in. So how small arms technology evolved and tactics therefore. So. Now it was like when you were going through this though, did they say anything as far as like, this is what happened and everything like, like just going through the like school, like, is this still something like even in our, education system that this is something that's taught like it's Hitler died in the bunker and that's that's that or is it something where it's like hey do your research and you come up to with a conclusion so obviously <clears throat> like in your regular core classes you'll take all the way through high school and even in basic history in college you're going to get um, the just watered down history the stuff that you need to know to get through um, they don't go into a lot of nuances when you get into upper level history it gets a lot more free. It's a lot more free discussion. Um, the professors obviously are varied in their political like ideas and, uh, you know, beliefs and all kinds of, you know, you get the whole spectrum. Uh, history parties are actually some of the craziest parties, honestly. Um, uh, it sounds like completely lame, but you get a lot of really varied characters uh, in that, like in upper level history professors and stuff like that. Um, but 
it was kind of encouraged. Like I would take age of revolutions, like classes like that, where um, we kind of talked about upheavals and um, overthrowing of nations and certain governments and that like theories would get thrown around. You have to excuse my dog squeaking all of a sudden. Um, But yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, obviously it was never taken as serious course discussion, something that you would write a paper on or anything, but it would get thrown around as far as like, uh, you know, someone would ask the question, what, you know, Hey professor, what, what do you think? And some of them would have, you know, you know, more, I guess, uh, wilder ideas than others. So yeah, it's definitely been discussed. And, um, and some of the people I, that are, I knew that were like more, uh, involved or into that era, especially the fall of the third Reich, like at the end of world war two, um, I learned a lot of information about what went on in those final days. And I was pretty fascinated by it. Cause, um, some of those people come to the conclusion that they don't really know, um, that they don't have a definitive answer. Well, and that's, that's just the thing, like talking with you, Eric, again, before the show, we had stated that Russia or it was the red army at the time that came in and just destroyed everything and just was taking stuff and just, there should have been, I guess, a proper investigation when like those, those final days and like when that bunker was actually, um, looked into, as far as uh, Eric, can you kind of describe like what actually like the Red Army did and like why it's why there should have been a proper investigation? Um, sure. Um, so the in the final days of um, uh, was it April, uh, May of nineteen forty five, uh, the Red Army was just bombarding like Berlin, right? Um, because they wanted to essentially have a hey this is what you did to us at stalingrad and we're going to do it to you essentially we're going to choke you right i got to the point where like they just they knew where he was or like they assumed they knew where he was if you if you call it that and they just pushed towards the fear bunker um from there again in any investigation that takes that takes place you know usually cordon off an area you usually like well nowadays you put off like tape and markers of like hey this is exhibit a b c d and so forth um but the red army was essentially so i guess uh proud uh and i'm not saying it was like potentially for like a political standpoint but they wanted to be the ones that like hey we took down the man like we took down hitler the fear right of germany the one man who could not be taken down right um so it was i want to say it was more of a uh propaganda based uh situation as to why they didn't do a proper investigation um, but going again, referencing um, hunting Hitler, uh, it's actually, I think his name is Bayer, Mr. Bayer. Um, he says there in the States that just the way the Russians went about it, that was completely, completely um, mismanaged because you're supposed to take samples. You're supposed to, like I said, cut off an area and all that stuff. None of that was taking place. So many, many of people just walked through certain areas, certain uh, potential areas of where, uh, forensics or anything like that could be taken and it's and like once they actually got to his bunker and everything they they found him dead supposedly correct like that's that was the thing is like they got to the bunker everyone went in there and they saw him his wife and it was it was a handful of people it wasn't just him and his wife and i guess his dog because we were talking about that before the show apparently he he killed his dog (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, allegedly, uh, I, I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like, and then kind of like how history tells us, it, uh, it was actually his wife, Ava, was the one that uh, kind of had a cyanide pill, right? Um, and he ended up shooting himself. Uh, at least that's what history tells us. Um, but in reality, again, uh, the, the Red Army found like a body, supposedly his, allegedly his. Um, and they also found a a bunch of like skull fragments and stuff like that, which then leads into the assuming that those bone fragments were actually potentially his and not his wife's. And it goes down that rabbit hole of uh, interest. So Red Army goes in there because they they took pictures. And I think we actually did this on you as a listener. I don't know if the episode has come out yet or not, but we had. We had seen pictures. I think Seth, you had showed us the picture, or it might even still be in the Discord yeah. chat. Yeah, and that picture was in my high school history book. I think I still have that somewhere. No way. <clears throat> yeah. So what I want to know is, people more well versed in this, is that like the accepted or at least offered picture for like, okay, well, this is what they say, or the picture they took at the time of the they thought the body was Hitler's. Is that is that what's going on, or is that an accepted photo, or what? Um, so they have the uh, the last video, if you will, of the Fuhrer or Hitler uh, above ground, giving like shaking hands with a bunch of Hitler youth. Um, but since after that moment, they don't have a definitive picture of him alive, if you will. Um, but that photo is allegedly what the Red Army took to essentially notify the allied powers that or the allies that Hitler was indeed dead. Okay. So that dead photo and he, and then after that, they supposedly burned that body. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's so interesting. Go ahead. Clark. The, the official historical account that we're always told. And, um, and like I said, this is what makes the timeline crazy. And this is why we can't really trust a lot and this is why i actually don't think that picture is real this is my personal belief um we know from the survivors inside the fear bunker uh as far as a timeline that like you said there is a video of hitler going above ground seeing kind of the devastation of berlin that's going around him doing some goodbyes talking to hitler youth things like that that's the last known video of hitler alive when he retreats back to the bunker uh we know that apparently they had cyanide ready. They gave cyanide to Blondie, the German shepherd, tried it on her first. Uh, and then Ava Braun took cyanide. Uh, Hitler took cyanide and then shot himself. He wanted to double up, make sure the job was done. Um, from there, the survivors say that they took the body out and mm-hmm. uh, doused it in gasoline and tried to burn it. Uh how far burnt it was is where the discrepancy is of like how identifiable his body would have been when the Soviets got there. Um, so we know, we know for a fact that once the Soviets took the Reichstag, they basically claimed victory over Berlin. They, I mean, they basically, the, the German army had officially been beaten. They don't officially surrender until two weeks later, but um, they're in disarray and there's no, there's no fighting chance at this point, basically. Um, not that there really was in leading up to that, but they're in such disarray and in pockets at this point that the Vermont officially surrenders. Um, but between the time that they take the Reichstag 
and actually investigate the Fuhrer bunker is almost two weeks, uh, which is the first misstep the Soviets did and the mismanagement of this whole crime scene. Um, the second mismanagement is when they finally do investigate the Fuhrer bunker, there are no officials, there are no commissars there. It's literally a couple of uh, uh, basically units. One of the units is actually a female, um, all female unit of, uh, I forget what their, uh, like what their contingency was basically, but they went in and raided Ava Braun's closet, started taking all her memorabilia and all her like clothes and stuff. And then uh, another like unit came in and took pictures on the couch on the still bloodstained couch where Hitler killed himself. You can find those pictures also online of like Soviets posing on the couch. Um, and then finally some people with some sense came in and said, this is a crime scene. You all need to get out of here and stop touching stuff. And then uh, you can find pictures where they show the ditch, like the half dug ditch basically where they were going to throw Hitler and Ava Braun's burnt bodies um, out back. And those are some of the official Soviet photos that they released saying, look, we did our job. This was actually, you know, we tried to, uh, tried to investigate when it was already contaminated, you know, for over a week at that point. Um, so like, that's kind of the official historical story we get on that. And that's why I, I doubt the validity of that photo. I don't know. Like I said, I, I would look at it again, but I, I see that photo go around and I've seen it many times, but um, everything I've ever heard or read from survivors from the Fuhrer bunker, the actual like German accounts uh, that were recorded say that um, basically the skull fragments that are in, uh, I, I think they keep them like somewhere in the records in the Kremlin now or whatever. They, they've never, they've only released like uh, some DNA samples like a couple of times. Um, and they're very, very hush hush about that. They don't let people do that often um, because they, who would they give genetic samples to? They did it in the, uh, like in the late eighties, someone, and it actually came back as not a DNA match to anyone in Hitler's like family tree. So uh, that's part of the mystery of like, was it really his bones? Um, but then they've had teeth where they say it is Hitler's teeth. So there's like all kinds of back and forth stuff where it's like, do they have those, his remains? Do they not have his remains? Um, it's really weird, but that's why that photo always um, kind of throws me off is because they only had like bone fragments to give DNA samples of. They didn't, if they had that complete of a body to take a picture of, you know, you have skin tissue, stuff like that. There's stuff that could have been preserved possibly. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's just weird to me. I, I like the photos we know we have from the Soviets uh, are much more scarce and, and unprofessional at best. It's it's interesting because the photo itself um, always to me looked like a gaunt or a malnourished soldier. Mm -hmm. it did, like the bone structure just doesn't even look like Hitler. Hitler was like kind of full in the face. He never like had this starved look. Uh, but that that picture does. Well, it also the also the the actual body. It looks younger. He looks a lot younger in that that picture than when he actually did like towards the end. Like if you look at him at the beginning of the war, at the end of the war, two drastically different pictures of like our, how he looks. And it, it, it makes sense. Like, you know, you're, you're a lot of stress, got it, whatever. But if it was a picture 
like had this begin, had this been a picture or had this happened at the very beginning, a little bit more plausible, a little bit, I think the face would look a little bit more the same, but towards the end and Eric, you can maybe go a little bit more into this. He was on a lot of drugs. Like he was, Mm -hmm. he was high. And like, that was even the thing we had talked about this before on, I think a previous uh, fishbowl episode, but like the, this both the allied and the German soldier, like everyone, all the soldiers were on meth. Like not, it wasn't called meth, but like they were on a lot of different stuff. And it wouldn't have surprised me if Hitler was taking some of that stuff too. So it was Patriot juice. <laughs> that's what yeah, they got in their, their, uh, their little meals that they eat. and everything. <laughs> you know, what's crazy is those old videos that, that were later, it was censored by the, the Nazi party, but later on when, you know, vaults were opened, there were, um, him shaking hands with uh, soldiers and stuff and one hand behind him where it was just shaking radic like crazy. Um, also I believe what was it? One of the Olympic, uh, things he was just like rocking back and forth. He was, he was like, chewing his teeth out of his gourd he was so high Uh, it was very very interesting there's like every now and then you'll find a video of him where he's shaking uncontrollably just tweaking out yeah somebody made a remix on youtube they put uh they put some um who's the who's the dude that the big rapper that got shot along with tupac um biggie smalls. biggie smalls they put a they put a biggie smalls song to him like oh rocking back and forth it's, it's great <laughs> uh yeah so no alex to go back to your question um yeah so it was uh theater morale actually um he was uh hitler's personal physician mm. um he actually um he's probably the one man that didn't burn all his records because at the end of the war that's what the nazis were essentially uh doing is that they were trying to burn everything right um but they found his records um i can't remember who found them uh but it pretty much they were giving uh hitler like pretty much cocktails right um if you notice it's kind of showing like we were talking about earlier when he's above ground looking around um berlin and like you know meeting uh, his hitler youth like the last time you notice behind his back his hands are shaking um, so I don't know if, the, if that's just, uh, you know, after the years of, you know, the war and the stress of the war, but according to morale, like he was giving him essentially, like they say like E vitamins, like shots, injections, um, for like, uh, also like, col- uh, coli bacteria. Um, and apparently they say that Hitler also had some visible signs of Parkinson's disease that they were actually like trying to, uh, cure him of. Um, but the potential of like, I guess nowadays it's an STI, but back then it was just a lot of people died from syphilis. So I said, Hitler had a lot of, a lot of stuff wrong with him. And that's one of the biggest reasons why he looked so ill or pale in the end and just kind of looked ill was because he was suffering from, he probably withdrawals because he wasn't able to get, uh, get like the most of his medication from his doctor. Um, but at the same time too, is that he was so amped up on this stuff over the course of 10, 10, 11 years um, that, yeah. So that it, just, it's just, it, you have to look into uh, morale. Like a lot of people don't talk about him because he's not really a known figure, a figure. Um, and Hitler never really talked about him that much. That's the, that, that's like the key. Hmm. And Hey Clark. Oh, sorry. Go, go for it. Uh, is it true? Cause I've heard this 
uh, in World War One, did early on did did uh, Hitler have uh, damage from like nerve gas? From yes, he was gassed in World War One. He um, it was it was minor lung damage. It was nothing that permanently okay. like hurt him. Uh, he, I think he had some temporary blindness, things like that. Typical stuff you would get from um, uh, early chlorine gas. I think it was okay. 1916 or so. Um, so, I mean, they use chlorine, mustard, and then um, uh, I just forgot about the third gas. It's uh, the worst one. I forget what it's called. It starts with a P. I uh, just blanked out on it. But um, but early early in the war, it was chlorine gas was mostly used. Okay. And um, But he wasn't permanently scarred from it. But it did mentally scar him. Because that's why the Germans in World War II never used gas. They never used chemical war. Like, oh, they used it obviously for the Holocaust purposes. They used Cyclone B, but they did not use it against soldiers in the battlefield because Hitler was adamant against that. Okay. <laughs> Sound bad, but I guess that's like the one good thing about him, like the one good decision <laughs> that he did make. And at least it was like a little bit humane in that sense, but he really wasn't. Um, but like the the fact that because this is like that's the crazy thing is too is like when we're talking about like him being on all this medication and everything like that at the beginning of the war like he was really thought of as being like a great military tactician like he was making great calls as far as like for his side that he was on not saying that he made good calls or anything like that but like him as a military strategist like he was he was up there like he knew what he was doing or where he wanted his military to go you're saying no no, he uh, Hitler was a, a a terrible military mind. He had great field marshals. So uh, that's where it was. With, with which he entrusted his ideas. Hitler had ideas. He knew what he wanted to conquer. He would never have been able on paper to figure out how to do it himself. He had brilliant field marshals who, like, I mean, uh, Guderin, who was his uh, tank commander that basically conquered France in six weeks. Um, invented the Blitzkrieg, essentially um, reinvented the Schlieffen plan. I mean, minds like that. You obviously have Rommel in North Africa, the Desert Fox, who extends that front far longer than it should have been. Um, even on the Eastern Front, I mean, Operation Barbarossa was extremely well executed. It just ground to a halt, and that's mostly Hitler's fault that he loses the war against Russia. Um, so, no. Uh, the German army, and and also, he made mistakes by giving people like Goering, his friends, uh, you know, the head of Luftwaffe, Hermann Goering, um, you give him too much leeway, and he says he can crush Britain by air alone, and so they call off Operation Sea Line and don't invade, you know, the United Kingdom, and uh, just let the you know Luftwaffe try to bombard them into submission, and that doesn't work, and kind of cripples them when they could have been using resources elsewhere especially on the Eastern front. So he gave too much trust to friends. It was cronyism. I mean, it still was cronyism even then. Um, he didn't give the trust in the field marshals that he should have. And he gave too much trust in the people that he shouldn't have. So um, no, Hitler will go down in history as a terrible military mind. I thought, see, I was always there under the impression that like he, he was, he was a good military tactician because of what, like the things that he wanted to do and everything. I mean, like, it is what it is, but, like, I was always under the impression that, like, he knew what he was doing and everything like that. But you're saying that it was more of, yes, he had the good idea, or not the good ideas, but he had the ideas, but it was everyone below him that was actually making shit happen, essentially. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he and and once he overextended his reach and he couldn't go back, Hitler's biggest problem too was he couldn't admit a mistake. He couldn't go back once he had committed. Uh, I mean, Stalingrad is a prime example. You have the German Sixth Army. Uh, basically, they go into the Ukraine and he sends them off on a diversion mission basically to suppress some you know, Ukrainian uprising when they should have just kept marching east towards Stalingrad. They could have taken it before winter set in. Uh, they get to Stalingrad when they finally do, months after they should have been there. Um, and then once they actually, uh, once the Soviets basically regroup and surround the Sixth Army, they could have broke out and retreated. And Hitler uh, essentially told General von Paulus, he, he promoted him to field marshal um, and told him, you know, you're going to fight to the last man. And by promoting him to field marshal, that was setting a precedent because no German field marshal had ever been captured in the history of Germany. So he promoted him from general to field marshal and told him to fight to the last man. And that was basically him saying, you're going to fight or you're going to die. You're not, surrender is not an option. So he made terrible, terrible decisions and lost a, a lot of men because of that. So yeah, he was a, like I said, a terrible military mind. Um, he had the right idea of what to do. He just couldn't admit defeat, couldn't couldn't uh, bend on his pride, and uh, like I said, wouldn't listen to smarter people under him. So, yeah. what was his ultimate goal? Was it to just solidify Europe as basically right. rule the world? Germany? <laughs> he wanted the but, world. Like, what, was, what was his end goal with invading? Because it always seemed to me that he was trying to make a wider pocket for his, you know, kingdom. Yeah, I mean, Lebensraum was the idea. He wanted living room for German, like for German people. Uh, uh, Germany had a big population and not enough land. Um, I mean, that was kind of always this problem since German unification. Um, you know, they, they'd been fighting that problem since the 1800s, basically. They felt there were certain, not ancestral lands, but German-speaking lands, like Alsace-Lorraine uh, in France. That was, you know, part of the reason of the Franco-Prussian War and World War One. That was, you know, kind of catalyst that they wanted that area because they felt those people were German and they needed to be liberated. They shouldn't be under French. Uh, borders they should be under german borders same thing on the eastern side you know with poles certain you know they're like well we have german-speaking people here and then they just kind of extended that to we need the room for german people so basically what what putin's doing with ukraine right now because because he feels i mean he feels he feels that's uh russia yeah i mean uh sort of because Kiev and Rus are kind of historically the original, I guess, Russians. Um, that's much more complicated. But, uh, okay. you know, what Putin's doing there also is um, is kind of securing a legacy for future Russia. They, they need, they need a, a population. Basically, they need a younger population. Kind of what we were talking about on the depopulation episode um, or when we were talking about that discussion on the fishbowl. Uh, they are, there's too much disparity between the old and the young, and they need to secure kind of a middle, like they need a young, able class to take over for the aging Russian oligarchy. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a big thing for it. And 
and they're kind of being counterproductive right now because I mean you're throwing young Russian bodies into a war right now that's becoming a meat grinder. So you're losing that population. So I don't know what he's going to do there. It's kind of an all or nothing now. Huh. Kind of wrapping this all together and everything like that. And we're kind of got off uh, subjects a little bit, but all right. We're talking about Hitler drugs and everything like that. He's, you know, the picture and everything like that that shows different agent. If let's just get to this, like, okay. So if, if the red army or it, let's just say, <clears throat> you know, staged that photo, right? It really wasn't Hitler. They went into the bunker. They didn't find him. Where did he go? Like where, where, I guess where, what could he have done and everything like that? Like was, there's their the tunnel systems. Like where, like, I guess, how did this information not get out that he did escape you know like because there was there was other people down there in the bunker with him how is that not written somewhere or like you know you know what i mean like where where did he go where do where do you run off to i guess that's like the million dollar question alex um <laughs> if maybe 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 he did die in the bunker maybe he didn't die in the bunker um i guess that's like left up to interpretation of of humanity, I guess, if you will, or what political side say, but, um, I don't know, uh, going back to like the, the TV series, uh, and Hitler using that as a reference. Um, so the one thing I didn't really realize was how, what the depth was below Berlin and the depth behind, below like purchase garden in Munich. Uh, what I mean by that is that there's a, I can't remember the exact episode, but they have this, uh, ground penetrating radar where they show essentially show like tunnel systems, if you will. So they did it in the fear bunker and they did it at uh, Tempelhof airport because that's where they thought that Hitler may or may not have gotten out of um, from one of his pilots. Um, so they use the ground penetrating radar and they come to find out that there's a, I can't remember the exact uh, mileage or um, of it, but there's essentially like five stories below Berlin that has tunnel systems like escape routes, if you will. And they were mapped out at one point, um, but there's also like secret uh, entrances and ex- exits that were that did not come out until just recently within the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so if he went somewhere, uh, he could have gone out to the north uh, through Berlin up towards the, uh, up towards like Norway or up towards Scandinavia. Um, there right now is a projection that he went to the south through Italy, through Rome. Um, there's also one that he flew out of Templehof Airport and went to Spain. It's, I just, I find it so interesting because like, all right, well, let's just take New York, for instance. There are like, or like any major city, there's like a, I feel like a population of just like underground people that just like use the sewers like they like sleep in like abandoned like you know tunnel ways like they they know of these systems and everything like that i just how could how could we have gone so long or maybe it's almost like what we were talking about where they just wanted to get over it so they just like don't even mention the tunnel systems it doesn't even matter like i wonder like why did it, why did it take so long for us to either a find them or us to start talking about them you know what i mean like why why is that? I, I don't know. And like that, cause that I, maybe it's that whole piece where it's just like, well, if we mention this, then like maybe someone did know, like, oh, this goes straight to the bunker or like this, they're like all these tunnel systems are all linked. And then that brings up the question, well, shit, is Hitler really, did he die in the bunker? And it's like, oh no, no stop it. Like we just, let's just 
don't ask questions. Let's like fuck the tunnels essentially. Like we don't need to know. Let's not talk about the tunnel system. Is, is that like something that is like a possibility as like as to why we're just now finding them, I guess. Well, I guess not just now, but in like the last 10 years, I guess. Cause uh, I believe the show hunting Hitler was made in 2013, 2015 ish, somewhere in there. 20, yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, no, so again, um, just kind of like to uh, put out a uh, footnote, me not being like a historian or anything. Um, but uh, again, like I was told certain things growing up. Um, and you, if you get them told enough to you, right, you essentially believe them. Um, I was told that the war like went from 19, roughly about 1933 to essentially 1945. And that's where it ended. U.S. got involved, obviously, in 1944 in Europe and 1941, end of, sorry, end of 41, 42 in the, the Pacific. So, um, again, you just essentially get told stuff a lot. You know, you get um, history books and all that stuff. They tell you the war ended. They tell you what happened. So you essentially believe that. Um, but I, I guess what uh, the trailer of, of Hunting Hitler was just kind of started getting my mind rolling. Like, well, whoa, this is kind of it's kind of crazy and kind of like you, I was like, why hasn't this come out earlier? Um, but then you just go into a bunch of political stuff. Um, and the biggest thing that I can only think of is why they didn't release it is they may or may not have wanted to not relive world war two for all the people that just got over such a major disaster, especially like the um, people from Israel and um, the Jews and uh, the gypsies and all those people. They didn't want to re- have to revisit that and have those the remaining survivors have to go through continuously day day in and day out of reliving the Holocaust. I think I think that's valid. Like you know, just like let's get over this. Let's like you know, not having to relive it. But I also think there's an important piece where it's like if this is factual, we need to know it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we can't like, and that's where it's like. Do we keep teaching the wrong thing? Do we keep teaching like, okay, Hitler died in the bunker, yada, yada, whatever. Or do we start actually trying to, especially now, like I said, it has been almost, it's almost been a hundred years since that has happened. I feel like at this point, don't we, don't we try to start piecing together really what happened and like really start to like maybe open up new ideas. I mean, I guess like, I guess for conspiracy theorists, alternate theories and everything like that, they've been a little bit more like it's more of a, an accepted community, I guess now, maybe, maybe not. It's like, we're not, I, I say we, I, I'm a, I guess a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but it's like, it is, I guess more, I, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like if it is truthful, if it is, this is actually what happened. I guess we need to start teaching it that way. You know what I mean? Or like opening up the, possibility like teach it like okay this is this is one thing like he could have died or this is another thing i don't know i just feel like there should be that i get it for like elementary school not maybe not elementary because you don't learn about hitler in elementary but like in high school and everything like that i get like okay hey you you gloss over it like you like almost like what you're saying clark you don't really get into it it's just like hey this is when the war started this war ended hitler died in the bunker yada yada but i feel like it should be something where it's like <clears throat> we do teach a little bit more and everything like that. Cause like, I always say this too, is like, I always feel like the shit that I learned in high school, either a, I didn't really retain it or it, like, I feel like it was just like, all right, this happened. All right, let's move on. I don't know. Maybe it's just the education, education system, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I don't know. I feel like if it is true, we need to start 
looking into it more. So that's, that's I think that I think that's the 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 best bet would be like all right, we just got out. I mean, there was like two world wars, and at the end of the world World War Two, not only were there all these crazy atrocities, there was like a massive loss of life on so many sides. So for 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 us not to just kind of all right, he's dead and and we're done with it. Let's just get over it. Uh, would be kind of such a um, morale blow to so many different countries and peoples. So then the question is, all right, let's say, and and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of these documentaries was showing that it was, I think it was the CIA was conducting uh, investigations in Argentina to see if, because uh, there were Nazis that got over there or at least started building infrastructure over there for hiding and they were starting to get reports on uh, maybe uh, tips that maybe somebody was down there. Maybe they saw somebody. And so they were investigating. And then that stuff years later was declassified. And you can see that they were at least had interest in, in Argentina and uh, figuring out who was there and why. But but um, like I agree that that probably that was just like the cleanest ending to the story or done with it. But but now like, I agree with you at the same time saying, OK, well, we now we have this new information. The dude's probably dead of old age if he did get out. So maybe we do need to rewrite. It wouldn't be like a huge blow to the world anymore. It would just be interesting at this point. And maybe we all learn something. Well, and, and that's what I mean, too, is like it's I guess like at what point do we do we say like, OK, it, it's been like we've had time to like, you know, heal like i know you don't want to open up uh, an old wound and everything like that i i get it but like at what point i i i guess it's just the truth thing like if he really did get out if he really got to like say argentina or somewhere else that he possibly could have gotten to um i think it's just important to know the truth i guess that's that's the biggest thing is like i just want to know the truth like if he died in a bunker cool all right i got it that's fine but if he did get somewhere else well, what was he, what was he doing? What was he up to? Well, like, what was his plan? Like, what, like, I want to know those things. Like, I, I think it's important that we aren't telling lies to like future generations because that's like, that's how history is written, you know? And it's like, if that's how, what we keep teaching and almost like it's, is it going to be something where like, okay, so this TV show, like uh, the hunting Hitler one, is this just going to be something that now just gets swept, you know, under the rug and then forever gets forgotten about until like another hundred years from now, it's like, Oh no, back in the two thousands, uh, there, there was this investigation and they did find it. It's like, at, at what point do we actually start telling the truth of what really happened? Or when, when do we start accepting it? I guess it, and like, you know, like when do we, when is that change supposed to happen? Well, before those CIA documents, or I forget which agency's documents that that came to light that they were researching this stuff. Before all of that, the the Simpsons had an episode where old Hitler was just chilling in South America, which is crazy. He was like riding a bike and yelling at people with his with his like bread on his back. It was like, oh, okay. Simpsons tell the future and they know everything. I know. But it's Oh, go ahead, Eric, uh, Clark. I was just to say, uh, I think this stuff keeps coming up because uh, we do keep finding more of these people. I mean, it was only what back in 2019, 2018, they found that commandant uh-huh. that had been hiding 
Yeah, I think he was in, and he wasn't even that far away. He was like in the Netherlands or something, or uh, he like he wasn't even that far away from Germany, and they found him and like he was just living under a pseudonym, you know, assumed name kind of thing, and uh, they found him and they're like, oh yeah, this guy was like a death camp commandant, and they put him on trial. Like he was 101 years old or whatever, and they still took him to trial and everything. But I mean, you back it up even farther than that, you know, the ones like that did get to Germany, like so. German South American relations go back before World War II. Uh, I mean, to the turn of the century, uh, really. And so, like, we know for a fact that, I mean, even in World War I, you have controversy with Central America and Germany, them trying to get Central America involved in the war, and, like, you know, Mexico in particular trying to attack the U.S., um, things like that. Uh, there was behind-the-scenes stuff, but... There's schools in Peru and Chile to this day that are, you know, German funded schools from some of these wealthy families that came over there. I think one of the biggest schools in uh, Peru is like the Von Humboldt school. And I mean, it doesn't get more German than Von Humboldt. (laughs) (laughs) That's very Um, true. But but I mean, think about like Joseph Mengele. I mean, when they found out that he was not only alive, but dead. In Argentina in 1979, I mean, Joseph Mengele is one of the most evil human beings in history and one of the most infamous figures of World War II, um, you know, being the doctor at Auschwitz uh, and all the experiments he performed and all the cruel things. And, you know, he did escape to Argentina and, um, you know, he eventually drowned off the coast of Sao Paulo in uh, 1979. And, you know, rumors are that Mossad got to him that it wasn't actually a drowning, that he was assassinated. Um, So that makes me wonder, too, if, like, at that point, you know, yeah, it would have been a thing to hide, like, if Hitler had survived and had escaped. And um, backing up a little bit here, Spain would have been my pick. If he got anywhere, it would have been Spain Um, because they retained their neutrality during the war. Uh, They were in a civil war during World War II. Um, Franco was pro-Nazi, basically. It was a fascist government. It was pro-Hitler, and Hitler actually s- supported Franco with uh, actually bombers from Luftwaffe for his own civil war. So they were they were definitely tight. So if he had escaped anywhere, it would have been by air and it would have been to Spain. That would be my guess um, to start. Now, whether he got to Argentina from there, uh, I don't know. Uh, Franco's in power for many years after World War II, so he technically could have lived under an umbrella for a while and not been investigated and no one would have been looking for him because they wouldn't have had a reason to, um, you know, step on Spanish neutrality because they technically stayed neutral during World War II. Uh, so there wouldn't have been a reason that any nation would have been like, hey, are you guys hiding Hitler? You know, that's kind of an overstep. Oh, I froze. I froze. Uh Definitely Mossad was looking for a lot of these missing um, Nazis that did not go on trial at Nuremberg. So it would just stand to reason that they would have found him, you know, and, and I'm, I don't know for sure if Mingla, if his drowning was an accident or it was an assassination, but I, I kind of, I'm the, I'm of the opinion that Mossad would have found Hitler if he had made it to South America. Yeah. Well, so the, the thing too is, is it wasn't like, now I, I talked to you a little bit about this too, Eric, is that like, 
or you had mentioned this to me is like they <clears throat> the reason why they had an interest in Argentina was like they were they were making essentially the Hitler youth there and then then shipping them over to Germany is that correct yeah so th- there was um there was uh, like uh, Clark said that there was a, a bunch of like schools like uh, started up in not just Argentina but like a little bit of Brazil later on and later on after the or, uh, later on in time. But the big hub was uh, uh, Juan Perón. Uh, he was uh, the dictator in Argentina, and he was um, he was in power uh, through a little bit uh, during the war and after the war, if you will, uh, when the time frame of all this happens. And uh, yeah, so the, the certain individuals in the Nazi party and Nazi regime made it down to uh, Argentina. They started like schools, and that's where. Um, uh, they reference it in hunting Hitler is that they actually trained soldiers um, roughly about like 1941, 1940 time frame, And when the war actually kicked off it, over in Europe, they were sending soldiers from uh, potentially Argentina over to fight the war in, in Europe as well. That's like, how, how would you, how would you move kids like that? Like, how would you, how would you be able to like move like, I feel like that's something like that's that was new information to me. Like, I guess would you just put them on a plane or would you just put them on a boat and then just ship them back over? Or like how I feel like that's something like would have been seen because like we I mean, I don't I guess I don't know if we had like vessels and everything like that in the ocean, like patrolling to like see all this stuff. But I don't know. I just feel like we would have heard or like, you know, somewhere there would have been like, yeah, they're, they're shipping kids from Argentina back to Europe and everything like that. I just feel like we would have heard about it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's probably correct. Um, but to what was the, the, the Nazi regime was like, well, their Kriegsmarine was um, essentially prone to doing what, like hitting civilian vessels and stuff like that. Right. Um, for the most part, there was, there really wasn't an interest um, in South America too much, if you will. Uh, the, the biggest interest for the United States and the allies was what was happening in Europe and then what eventually happened in the South Pacific. So essentially the stuff that was happening in South America kind of was off the radar, if you will, but not, it wasn't, it wasn't off the radar, but it was, it wasn't their top priority. Right. Um, so essentially in the, the allies didn't, didn't try to sink like civilian vessels. So that was probably one of the ways they got there or they potentially flew from country to country. Um, or they, from what uh, is also a assumption is that they could have or could not have gone through, uh, gone, gone by U-boat. Hmm. I wonder how many kids you could fit in a U-boat. I know that's a weird question to ask, but I wonder how, <laughs> I just, hmm, I wonder how many, uh, that, all right. That's hmm. Bill Gates asks that question every day. <laughs> <laughs> how many can I fit in the boat? Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I mean, just to, just to say, like, uh, they weren't actually like kids, kids, right? They were like like young, young to mid middle aged teenagers that were getting shipped over there, and the, they were getting essentially getting indoctrinated in Argentina, and then shipped when they met a certain age, then they were shipped over to to Europe. So wait, are are, are you saying that they're they were Argentinians? They they weren't Germans. 
So that that is that is one of the again one of the million dollar questions. But they actually they actually show that there was actually high level Nazi officials that went to Argentina or South America like pre World War Two, essentially like we're essentially trying to start up, if you will, like um, the potentially the third the, the Fourth Reich in Argentina, okay. and uh, obviously they potentially married or they brought their families down to Argentina or married the locals. And when they had kids and they became of age, they were trained, indoctrinated and sent over to, and potentially sent over to Europe. You know, what's really interesting is in the interest in, of South America during like this era, like uh, Henry Ford was uh, interested in like making rubber farms down there. And that famous like Ford, uh, city that he that he tried to make where he would have all the locals basically basically make a weird self-sustaining government governmental organization where they all worked for him and he had all these rules for him but they would the main thing was to produce rubber for tires but also like hitler uh and tell me if i'm wrong on this but hitler greatly admired henry ford and henry ford helped with some of the tanks that were uh, uh, for Germany. What, is that correct? Ooh. That's a question for Clark. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he didn't, uh, he didn't directly have anything for tanks, but, uh, he was known to have, um, some anti-Semitic beliefs. And well, I thought pre Panzer tanks, uh, 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 Ford had something to do with materials. The, primary like car manufacturer that people know today that had the most to do with German tanks was Ferdinand Porsche. Okay. So, um, hmm. but as far as the assembly line and that idea, uh, I mean, obviously that's, you know, taken to heart by every military. So in that okay. time, uh, so that's probably Danny that idea. That, that's probably that idea. But um, no, other than, other than Henry Ford actually having some, uh, you know, and that wasn't out of the ordinary at yeah. that time. So like and them having some of the ideas that I guess you could say Hitler had as far as anti-Semitism. Um, no, Henry Ford didn't have any direct uh, design at all to do with anything okay. military for German, like the, the Vermont. Okay. Um, but I did want to mention something while we were on this topic about uh, um, the Argentinians and schools and then possibly shipping people back over to Europe. Um, you have to also realize that I think a lot of people think of South America and they immediately think of um, like ethnicity and like how you would be able to identify someone um, in like a lot of Argentinians. Did he freeze? I think he froze. Oh, okay. He'll be back in a second. It's been yeah. happening on and off, but. Yeah, it's been happening to me too. I thought that was me for a second. Oh no, 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 no. You're, you're good. We'll see if he uh, if he comes back or anything like that. And I was convinced Henry Ford helped build the German tanks. I got to tell Danny the the from Question Antiquity that that's not correct. Okay, what? Oh, he's back. He's back. Yeah, you you, you froze. Yeah, you froze. It was me. Yeah. Oh, it looked like y'all, you guys like just went away. All right. That happens to me oh, all the time. <laughs> you are, you, you are saying that people's immediate thing, they go to race about the Argentine. I said ethnicity, not race. 
Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so, no, I was going to say, um, in, in Argentina, like, you immediately think of, like, uh, like having a Central American kind of mentality of what people look like. But in Argentina, these people would have been indistinguishable from Germans at the time, like, physically. So, it would have been paler skin. Some of them would have blonde hair. Um, it was, it's, to this day, I know Argentinian, I have friends that are, like, you know, I don't speak a lick of German, but they're paler than me and blonde haired. Um, but they would be fluent in Spanish. They would be fluent in German from going to these schools. And if they were shipped back to Europe, it would more than likely be on a neutral ship from, like I said, a country that is, uh, as far as the world is concerned, not involved in the war. And like we said, the South Atlantic is not patrolled. Um, it's not a hot zone. There's nothing for them to worry about. Uh, U-boats could get that far, but they have to run on the surface and they don't have a lot of room for people um, because they can't run underwater for long because of the batteries at this time. Uh, so they have to run on the surface on diesel. So it would have been impossible to do it that way. So what they would have done was actually have neutral ships, like chartered Argentinian ships, basically, that are neutral in the war and they can go to ports. And basically, they just have to avoid French Morocco and they can land in spain uh and that's how they get offloaded and like i said you have spanish german leaning spain basically franco's spain basically is uh an unofficial german ally during world war ii even though they're neutral and that's where you would have that and like i said these these soldiers these kids would be completely indistinguishable from actual germans you, you know they would not be like tan skinned spanish-speaking people walking around in german uniforms it would actually be completely like fit in. It would, uh, I've never heard any of this before. Really? No. I mean, well, like I'm, I'm fascinated by human migration patterns and, you know, uh, why would, why would that area have such uh white skin and, and like blonde hair? Would it be like holdover stuff from like old Europe coming in or. Yeah, mostly Um, as it, as you, like go out from the poles, you lose some of the indigenous okay. uh, aspect of it. Same thing in North America. Um, okay. That's so, I mean, it's, it's similar to that. I mean, think of like um, Tom Brady's ex-wife, Giselle Bunchen. She's Braz she's Brazilian with a German name. And she's Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like she's a good example though. That's, that's like, you see a large percent of the population, it's like that. Yeah, that's and, uh, really interesting. It would be it would be crazy. it would be weird to or not weird, but it would be interesting to see if like during that time period, if there was a lot of ships going from like Argentina to Spain, like seeing like I don't know if they would have records of it now, but like to see like oh yeah, there was like an abnormal amount of like direct <laughs> like ship lines, and yeah, you know what? All the passengers were like yeah, anywhere from like. 10 to 18 yeah it was just a lot of a lot of kids were uh, yeah it would be cool to see if there's any sort of uh documentation like that i'm sure there's got to be something out there saying that well it's also funny just think about it for a second of like if you look at maps of how much of the population lives in the northern hemisphere versus the southern hemisphere no one's paying attention to that mm -hmm. i mean it, it's just if you just look at that skewed right there, and I mean, and especially with what all was going on in the world, like 
who would have been paying attention to that? No, and even if they did, they would have screamed at the top of their lungs and no one would have cared. Mm-hmm. So, that's my opinion. <laughs> huh. Taking a couple steps back, uh, Eric, had you heard of the Ford thing helping the German or Ford helping out the Germans? Uh, no, I have. I have not heard about that. That's that's news to me. I would like to know his resources, um, <laughs> contacts. No, I'm just kidding. No, but no, like that's uh, it's just Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, so like the only the only thing because obviously we know like uh, the tank like there's many try they try to manufacture like heavy armored vehicles or a little bit more armored vehicles during World War the latter part of World War One, um, and the ones to actually like notably and. Um, physically, I guess, put them out in the battlefield with with, with Great Britain. So, and then from there, I know that the Nazis, or not the Nazis, the German German army essentially captured a handful of them and started, like, dissecting them, taking them apart and stuff like that. But, no, I've never heard about Henry Ford helping out uh, uh, the Germans. Hmm. Well, okay. So, kind of tying this all back. Okay, so if... If Hitler had escaped, possibly through the tunnel system, like we had kind of kind of talked about a little bit earlier. So where, Clark, you were saying that possibly Spain. That's where you think that he probably could have ended up, not Argentina? Uh, yeah, I think the initial escape. Had he not died in the bunker, and I, I think he did die in the bunker, but um, had he made an escape, I think that's his best option is actually by air and to Spain. Um, it's the only German friendly neutral country that's there. He's flying over neutral territory. He's got to go over Switzerland, um, over Southern France, which is not, it's not Vichy France. It's obviously, it's not what's being retaken uh, by the Americans and the British, but it's, um, resistance france basically it's the, the the part of france they left alone wasn't worth taking um because it had no political influence basically for germany so he's flying over those countries he's flying over a defeated italy uh at best there's no there's nothing really there to impede him or stop him so uh as far as like anti-air or who's even looking for him at that point as far as you know uh all-american and British air like uh, forces are basically being used for ground attacks. They're attacking railways. They're attacking tanks. They're they're being used for close air support. You know that's what air forces are being used for. They're not hunting lone escape planes coming from Berlin in 1945. Um, so he's flying over Switzerland. He's flying over you know parts of Italy and southern France, going towards Spain. And Spain is still friendly uh, to Germany. So that's the only place I would imagine he has an to escape to and disappear okay and then and then from there if he is able to catch a boat to argentina then uh that's the way to go and i haven't looked into joseph mingala how he got away too much but i i think it's not too different from that pretty sure he did the same thing made it through switzerland some way like that and got to spain and then got out Eric, what are, what are your thoughts? Where if if Hitler did get out, where would he have ended up, or like where what would have been like his traveling? Like how how would he have gone about that? Um, like I 
I would have to agree with Clark on this one, honestly. Because if you, if you look at the map at the time frame um, post World War II, right? So you have you have Italian controlled U.S. or Italian Italy is essentially being controlled by the Allies, right? You have the Russian forces coming from the east to the west for Berlin, um, and you have the Allied forces coming from west to east uh, to uh, Normandy, France, the northern part of France. Um, and coming coming by way uh, to from the west to the east. Sorry, um, but there's essentially nothing to the north if you think about it. But there was the British Navy to the north. So like, again, and then you have to take into account too how old Hitler is. Um, What's the easiest route to get him out? Um, and with everything going on, uh, what Clark said, like what Clark said, made make sense. You have to would have to go through, you fly out through a neutral to to go fly over a neutral country, the part that. Again, no, like Germany, Germany didn't want to take over the southern part of France because, like you said, it was there was no political aspect to it, uh, aspect for it. So that would be honestly the potentially only route or feasible route uh, for him to get to potentially Argentina or escape the bunker. So my thing is too is like, wasn't he pretty sick though? Like by the end of the war, like as far as like him getting very far, like health wise, could he have gotten very far? Like do you, like almost like do you think like Spain would have been that backstop like he probably could didn't get much further than that or do you think did he have his doctor with him the one that was out like I was taking notes and everything oh so uh, they said that his doctor like died nineteen forty five um, I don't know the exact date I honestly would have to look it up um, but again the, yeah so like what you said him being like essentially ill and frail. Um, Spain would only have like the essential resources and stuff to essentially keep him alive, if you will, pump him full of drugs, if you will. Um, but with just knowing that, uh, uh, I can't forget the dictator's name in Spain. What's his name? Uh, Franco. Franco. There you go. Yeah, short little guy. Um, he has he has money. He has German money. Um, he has like. Uh, not state of the art facilities, but for medical facilities, but he would essentially be able to, I guess, help Hitler with his medical condition up until he passed away. Okay. And you also have to remember that a lot of Hitler's ailments were based in his hypochondria. He was getting drugs for stuff he probably didn't need drugs for. So a lot of his ailments, quote unquote, would have been withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they they basically had him on they had him on meth to keep him up. They had him on opioids <laughs> for pain, and then they had him on laxatives because he couldn't shit because he was on opioids. Like I mean, they had him on, they I'm awake for 24 hours and I can't yeah. shit. <laughs> That's literally what they had him. They had him on everything for everything that he claimed he had. That lost so. him the war right there. Because <laughs> he couldn't and, and, shit. And the best part about it, the best part about it, is that Hitler claimed to be a teetotaler. Oh, what? Like he didn't smoke. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. Uh, he didn't drink caffeine. Like he was one of those guys. Like he he thought Churchill was a terrible person because Churchill smoked and Churchill drank and all that stuff. And and Hitler didn't drink or smoke and all that stuff. But yet he was on every drug under the sun because he was a hypochondriac. <laughs> wow. I think that's I think that's pretty funny. He couldn't shit. 
Maybe that's why his pants were so big. <laughs> hey, those <are> diapers. Yeah. <laughs> He's got diapers on those mom jeans. <laughs> his shorts, the shorts were his quick access pants <laughs> when the laxatives kicked in. Oh man, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that's not a thing. Like, why have why has he not been made fun of more for like that sort of stuff? You know what I mean? Like, why am I just finding out now that that guy was constipated? <laughs> He's got too many fanboys, unfortunately. Well, I mean, the, the crazy part too is like like what Clark said is that like he was also I'm looking at the I'm looking up exactly what he was on. Um, he was on cocaine and adrenaline. Um, he was essentially. On sulfa, sulfin, sulfamide. I don't even know what that is. Never even heard about it. He's on glucose. He was getting vitamin, uh, proteins and vitamins. He was getting injected caffeine, uh, testosterone boosters, uh, methamphetamines. Uh, <laughs> he was juiced. Yeah, there's, there's, there was yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. I so. mean, that would make me want to take over. <laughs> yeah, right. Just no wonder <laughs> we're taking this. <laughs> I wonder how much his deadlift and bench were. <laughs> yeah. Like I've heard, I've heard throughout the years that he complained about stomach ailments like all the time. Mm-hmm. And then he he like only ate vegetables, not out of anything like about maybe he did love animals or whatever, but it was mainly because he had like such. Stomach problems. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, because he couldn't shit. He could only eat baby. Well, I mean, baby food. <laughs> yeah. No, but like that's uh, that's. I'm still looking at this list, and I'm just like in in awe. But the majority of it looks like three quarters of the stuff that he was on was for intestinal spasms um, and stuff, uh, intestinal and enemida. Uh, I don't even know what that is, and. Yeah, it's stuff to help him poop because he had so much, so much stuff uh, wrong with his stomach and lower back. Now I wonder, do you th- do you think any of this is from like when he was in the war himself? Like, because you said he had gotten gas, got it. It's like more of a long, you know, like sensory type thing. But do you think any of like those, like the effects of the war, had anything to do with that, or do you think it was just in his genetics? He just had a bad digestive tract. I think a lot of it was psychological. I, I fully believe he was a hypochondriac. Um, I'm not going to try to psychologically diagnose him with anything on any spectrum, <laughs> but definitely was a hypochondriac. We know that for a fact. Okay. Seth, what do you Wait, think? Did you say spectrum intentionally? Never mind. Uh, I think... <laughs> I think that he, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've, I mean, he obviously uh, had some screws loose, but it, like I've heard throughout the years, all the stomach stuff. I, I heard that he fancied himself a painter and things like that. I've seen a few of his paintings and they're kind of uh, really melancholy. They, there's not a lot of color. Um, I, I, but a lot of my knowledge comes from documentaries, movies, movies that are like, yeah, but this is the real story. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, that was interesting. What, what Clark was saying about, um, he wasn't like a very good military tactician, uh, things like that. But I don't know if, if he did escape anywhere, you know, my, my whole thing was like, Oh, we're going to talk about Argentina a lot. Cause that's where I feel like the, the main conspiracy theory of him is, 
Um, and then the then on the ridiculous spectrum, I'm like, oh, he's frozen in Antarctica. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't have a lot of like well learned information about this. It's mostly from movies. Well, all right. I mean, is like okay. So speaking of Ar- Argentina, we know that he had an influence there, like the because of like the schools, um, some of the other things. Like uh, what was it? There were some. Weren't there some like bunkers and like underground stuff that they they did find or like they were starting to yeah. build there? Yeah, they found yeah. Con- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. You, you know, no, no, no. You know this way more than. Me. No, uh, you're you're entertaining. I like hearing your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> well, that it's just it's just going to be an entertaining perspective. But you, I feel like you've got some facts to back up some stuff. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, no. Yeah. So in um, in Argentina, I, I think it's uh, Misiones, um, Argentina. There's like there's bunker systems. There's like essentially like military grade um, uh, stuff there. Uh, as far as like uh, guard shacks. Um, later on in the um, in the essentially episodes and stuff like that, uh, there's an actually a potential they cannot confirm. They think I'm gonna say that again. They think right. Um, that there was a potentially nuclear plant that was being built somewhere in Argentina um, to essentially like nuke the United States from the South, from South America. That, that makes, cause you, I can't remember if it was you, Eric or you Clark that were saying like it was, they were trying to get in Mexico to get into the war against like, you know, to like, I don't know if like invade or like attack the United States, but that would make, that would make sense that like, okay, if we can get Mexico to be on our side, we can move stuff closer to them, you know, like to closer to the United States and everything like that. And like start doing this stuff, a nuclear facility. Now, what, I guess what evidence or what do they have saying that there was a nuclear facility or like, I guess like the, the shells of it or like, you know, like the, what evidence do they have for that? Um, okay, so sorry, it wasn't Misiones, it was Bariloche. So um, there's an actual, again, it goes over like all the specifics. Like, I, can, I can feel you're going to be asking more questions and questions and questions about this. <laughs> and I'm not, again, I'm not a nuclear specialist, right? <laughs> um, but just everything that they, um, I, I don't want to be a spoiler. Should I be a spoiler? I don't know. Oh, spoil. Um, spoil. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. so... <laughs> All right. So essentially in um, like the latter part of the series of Hunting Hitler, they talk about heavy water. Um, does anybody know what that is or not know what that is? It's for nuclear reactors to cool down, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's right. Um, that's right. So uh, the only place that the, the Germans found heavy water uh, enough to build a nuclear bomb was in essentially in Norway, Scandinavia. So they have a theory that... Essentially, they were building a nuclear reactor or a nuclear facility in Bariloche, uh, Argentina, and they were transporting heavy water via U-boat to uh, Argentina um, on this little island that I can't remember the the, the scientist, the Nazi scientist that was building and or sorry, not building, made this um, facility. Uh, but there's actually pictures of him inside the facility, like constructing something. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's there's a facility, there's like gun positions overwatching like this river. Um, there's a potential house that may or may not have housed Hitler uh, just north uh, on the river. 
Um, and it's just the entire river, the river from entry to exit is, if you will, just covered with like machine gun nests or fighting positions. Weird. Now, now this was, it, this, you might be, we might've the, I have a, these weird memories of all of this and it might be that I watched like some of the same material or documentary, but they were finding relics too. They were finding like Nazi memorabilia in some of these ruined kind of makeshift houses well they weren't makeshift they were actually designed really well uh but they were yeah, finding so, stuff yes yeah, correct um and then uh kind of with that too they were finding like uh german coins uh german yes. money they were finding like german medals um from i can't remember what time period in world war ii um but they were also finding there's one house or like what well, they they say it's a house but it had a bathroom in it um, but the tile is the tile that was made or the tile that was in the house in the bathroom was specifically German esque. And that's what kinda that's what kinda started the whole like, oh, there must be more here if there's like out here in this in this woodline or in in, in in Argentina. And that's when they started like branching out and that's when they found more and more and more um like objects or constructed houses or battle positions, if you will, for, for fortifications. For this uh, in Bariloche. Wow, man! Why is it anytime someone says Nazi scientists, I'm you have my attention? <laughs> like they're building a facility in South America with heavy water. Like what? Well, I mean, too, like you guys. Uh, I believe it was in one of your previous episodes. I don't know which one it is, but you guys were talking about Nazi scientists coming over from being like the quote unquote prisoners of war. And going to the United States and essentially building like rockets for the United States. So, because ah, Von Braun, he was yes, correct. He was the the headwear for or the lead like uh, Nazi scientist for the V one V two rockets. Okay, let's 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 step away just a little bit away from the Hitler esque right now, and now <laughs> we're going to talk about this. We'll get back on track, I promise. But like, how how was that? Like, okay, like, do do you think that there was a deal with the United States and, like, all these really smart Nazi scientists, like, hey, you either work yeah. for us or you die. We, we kill you right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't think it was you die right now. I mean, it would have been, hey, we can probably send you to Nuremberg. But, yeah, Operation Paperclip, I mean, it is not hidden. We know for a fact we, we said, hey, we want your research. I don't even think it was an option. I think it was just, hey, you're coming with us. We want your research. And their option was you either come with us or you're going with the Soviets. And they did not want to go with the Soviets. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Germans and Russians were not on good terms. Yeah, right. <laughs> so going with the Americans was definitely the better option. And uh, yeah, Werner von Braun is the reason we got to the moon. If you believe we got to the moon. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> Gotta keep that door open because I can't close that door on our listeners. <laughs> Eric, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh as far as what? Um the moon, man. I'm not going in. I'm not going. In. I'm staying I'm staying on ground. Um I'm not talking about the outer space. And if I'm not even gonna go there. Um but no, uh to go back to what you're saying about von braun uh and these these scientists uh there's actually a base an unknown base somewhere in the united states where these scientists were essentially 
uh, evacuated from Europe, brought to this base, and is essentially like a hotel esque like camp or prison, PO war or POW prison for like high level Nazi um, uh, scientists or personnel that defected to the U.S. and not to Russia if they were to give us information. Um, but uh, I think there was a documentary pushed out uh, not too long ago. But they won't. It doesn't say where it is. It doesn't say how big it was. It doesn't say the personnel that were exactly in this facility or this camp or hotel as camp. But um, I'm going to try to find that out because I do remember seeing a, a trailer for it. I said it was Von Braun was there, um, and a couple other like uh, well-known Nazi scientists. So was this something where they got to the United States, stayed in this hotel, they worked for the United States, they did all this stuff. Do you think they were like on almost like on house arrest where it's like you can have a family, you can live, you can't go outside this parameters, you have to do our stuff because they had kids, didn't they? Like they had like they they let let a normal as normal as life you could have and like had a families, right? It wasn't just like them and they died off, correct? Or is, I, I, this is for anybody. No, like they actually, they, they, most of them did have families, um, but they just essentially, if they cooperated to it a certain extent, uh, I guess that was in like the, the 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 deal that was made that if you do uh, help us out, like we could potentially bring your family over to the United States mm, okay. or wherever they may or may not be. Yeah, a certain a certain amount of it was immunity, and a certain amount of it was protection. Because you have to realize, like I said, the Soviets wanted this research too. This was, I mean, as soon as like World War II ends, the Cold War begins. I mean, this is a race now. And uh, so these people were given immunity on and hidden away to a degree because they were also targets immediately. So it's not, it's no longer about should we put them on trial for the crimes they possibly could be implicated with. It's more of we need this research and we need to keep it from our new our new enemies. So yeah, they were definitely kind of cordoned away. It's like oh, let's keep them in this corner. So it's not like they were. They couldn't just go and have their you know house and white picket fence and everything and live their life. They they had immunity from all crimes and stuff. They weren't being punished, but at the same time they were being hidden away because they were now targets of our new enemy. Got it. Okay. 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 I got, all right. I have a fun comment and I've got a serious question. I don't know which one to do first. Fun comment. <laughs> all right. Fun comment. My favorite two Nazi movies is Iron Sky. So, Iron Sky, they, uh, the, the before the war ended on Earth, they managed to uh, have a space program and get Nazis on the moon. And on the dark side of the moon, there's a big uh, swastika facility where they have it's just the best movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> They're fighting like future Nazis on the moon and then they start invading Earth. It's ridiculous and just the best fun. <laughs> and then the other one is uh, uh, Overlord, where it's still wartime. They go into bunkers and tunnels and they find all of these monsters and like Frankenstein monsters that the German scientists are like creating. It's all, and it's just like a gore fest. It's basically like doom, but a movie. It's great. Side note on that. Something that I noticed yeah. when I was watching overlord is that there is no swastikas and they never call them Nazis. They call them Krauts the entire time. 
there's weird the, yeah but you can piece it together that like okay it's the nazis it's yeah the, like yeah. you 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 know it because like the time period yada yada but they never see nazis there's no swaths because there's nothing what yes so what? you think they were just playing safe yes i think they were i think they like either that or it was like i don't know like a fantasy i i don't know but like just watch I it i didn't even notice it watch it again and i, I i'm oh, pretty sure even like the american like the quote-unquote americans don't have American flags or anything like that on their uniforms or anything like that. It's just like jackets from that time period with like things taken off. Okay. Watch it again. I'm pretty it's, sure. It, that's that's kind of a cool concept. It kind of strips the history away. And because my brain just was like, oh, yes, yeah, Nazis. Nazis, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing too. <laughs> okay. Um, but serious, my, yep, yep. Yeah. My serious question is how close were the Nazis from nuclear capabilities? Not not just weapons, but like, uh, you know, reactors and that kind of stuff. Were, were they inching towards it? Because they were trying. Well, reactors is is a stretch. That's different than actual like weaponization, okay, of um, of uranium. So, um, what we were using at the time, U two thirty five, they were very well aware of it. Um, did they have the capability to contain it? Because a, a, a basic nuclear bomb is really simple. It's actually yeah. disturbingly simple. Yeah. Uh, so all you really need is to be able to isolate that radioactive material and be able to have a conventional explosion to actually um, basically send I'm not trying to teach people here how to make a nuclear bomb. But, <laughs> well, that, uh, I, I came across the creepiest video the other day. I watched these like um, memes I found on my back shelf, like compilations on YouTube. And there was this one where this guy was like, isn't this weird? I found this thing and every time I do this, the camera gets all fuzzy. And what it was, yeah. it was like it was like a cylinder, which is, you know, and and with like some kind of nuclear material, I'm assuming. And whenever you close those things, it's when they when they did the de- that demon core experiment, like I all died because the thing shut too too long. And when they opened it up, it blasted radioactive particles anyway. And it was either a, a graphite cylinder or it was lead i forget but he kept doing this and the camera lens or the uh sensor was just like deteriorating and he's like huh and he's like putting his hand on it I'm like you're gonna lose your hand what is anybody did it was there was no references to this was radioactive i just knew it <laughs> i was like the most terrifying but i the it reminds me of the story of the kid that had a science fair project where he got a whole bunch of old school uh, uh, smoke detectors because they have small amounts of radioactive material. I don't know what element, but he basically did the same thing, a gra- graphite sphere or, or lead sphere to contain it. And then he would put some in and then let the reaction like build up and he could like power stuff somehow with it. And the FBI like raided his house and he got like in serious trouble. (laughs) No way. Really? Yeah. They made sure like his plans couldn't like get published and stuff like that. But that was like a thing for a minute. Holy shit. We have have tritium and so much stuff that's around us and we don't even think about. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's basically to answer your question, though, they were. um, they were close, but I don't think they were anywhere close to having a functional weapon. Okay. They were, they were still in the process of isolating basically uh, 
isotope they needed to create a new okay. an unstable reaction. Hey, Alex, we were wondering what would get us in trouble on this one. So you get a graphite sphere, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of smoke detectors. <laughs> Teaching it's people so about explosive. Uh, <laughs> Eric, were you, it sounded like you were you were gonna say something or chime in. Where did you have anything to add to that? Oh no, I was just I was pretty much gonna like what Clark talked about, except with the less educated like verbiage and and uh, it, it, less edu- lesser education. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like uh, Clark is actually right. They were they were they were close, but they weren't close enough uh, to actually like weaponize it. Um, and then they weren't. They were still trying to figure out, if you will, how to get it into range of the United States and New York City potentially. Because that, that one of the reasons. Go ahead. Was it was that one of the reasons that they were trying to smuggle out uh, Einstein from like Austria? Like they weren't they wasn't like him getting to the U.S. like really secretive. Why anybody? I no no he. I think he was out pre-war. He knew. He knew when okay. things were getting crazy, and he got out because he was in the United States pre-war. Well, I hear he was a smart man. <laughs> he was. <laughs> oh, but also, um. The, something that Eric said just reminded me of it. Uh, that is a thing that if even if they had found a way to weaponize it, um, the Nazis, I shouldn't say just the Nazis, the Luftwaffe, the Vermont, the German military, they had not, uh, they put all their money into short range bombers. They never actually had a heavy long range bomber. There is no way they could have actually hit a target of significance with a weapon that heavy. So like the B-29, the invention of the B-29 with the U.S. is one of the biggest things we probably overlook. The reason the U.S. was able to even deliver a nuclear bomb and the plane even survive dropping it is because we invented that plane. Um, The Germans didn't have any long-range heavy bombers. Um, That just wasn't the doctrine of Luftwaffe. They they did close air support, um, short, medium-range bombers. That was kind of their M.O., uh, they had no big long range bomber, so they had stuff that they were planning. You can look up Nazi super weapons and all this stuff, and I think History Channel did a bunch of shows on it. Um, and they're interesting to see. It was a lot of things on paper. Very few of them actually were ever made. The, the ME two sixty two, the first operational jet fighter, is probably the most famous thing uh, they made that actually worked. And um, it didn't have it in enough numbers to make a difference that late in the war. Um, but yeah, they wouldn't even. They wouldn't have had a delivery system, even if they got a nuclear weapon. Mm. So. Interesting. I'm so glad you're on. I learn like three new things each podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got about time for like kind of just wrapping this up and everything like that. Like one more topic I think that we need to hit is, and this is for everybody. What do you think happened to Hitler? We talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah, it just we'll go across we'll go across the panel and everything like that, and we'll get everyone's last opinions, and then we'll uh, wrap up the show. Anybody can start. <laughs> um, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I think Hitler died in the bunker, uh, according to the according to the survivor German reports. I think. It happened like they said. I think he took the cyanide, shot himself, and I think they tried to burn his body. And I think that they were they threw him in some random pit they were digging out back. 
And I think the Soviets botched it so badly that we don't actually have reliable uh, remnants to to DNA prove that. I think maybe we have a tooth here or there that they're saying is his, but I think they botched it. I think the Soviets botched it. That's my, my final thought. Okay. I think that uh, bathroom tile in Argentina was Hitler's. <laughs> you think you think he made it all the way to Argentina? Yeah, but in realistically, he's probably right. Even if he got to like Spain, they probably did build some of that stuff with like German high command in mind, probably him. And it was just never used or some of it was used. And a lot of those buildings went vacant. And then, the you know, the, the jungle just took them back over. I know it, it's not as fun a I, I have to admit, but it that's probably what happened. Okay. Eric? I mean, I'm waiting to hear your side of the story or what you think. You <laughs> haven't really said anything. Okay. You're asking all these questions of us, but you didn't ever really pitch in or anything. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, here's my here's my theory. Here's here's what here's what I think. I think he did get out. And the reason behind that is because of kind of like what, what we kept bringing up is everyone wants to just move past this. And just get over it. And I feel like that piece right there where it's like, I feel like somebody knew he got out and it got to the point where it's just like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's just trying to like, just be done with the war and everything like that. So I feel like that piece too helped him get away where he actually got to where he ended up. I don't know. He's obviously dead by now because he was in his what? Forties. Or like what, forties or fifties, maybe when the by the time the war ended, and then it's been another eighty years, so he'd be like one hundred and thirty. Yeah, the guy's just dust right now. I, I I do agree with like the fact that the Soviets botched it so much, but that also weighs into where if they botched it so bad and they knew it, to me that gives weight to okay, let's find someone who looks like Hitler, put him put him down, take a picture of him. Yep, we did get them. You know what I mean? Where it's like, that's where it's, they knew they fucked up. So they had to come up with something, give like some sort of physical evidence, pictures, things like that to, to that. But I think it's those two things. The fact that everyone just wanted to be done with the war and the fact that the Soviets knew that they had messed up so bad that he did get away. I don't know where he went. I, there's obviously stuff in Argentina with giving weight to like, yes, they were doing something there. It obviously didn't pan out. It didn't get to the, ex- to the super extreme where like they, they set everything back up to make that fourth Reich. But yeah, I think it's a very strong possibility. He made it out. That's, that's my thoughts. All right. That was, that was good. That was good. That was good. Um, yeah. So I'm just, um, for me, it's kind of I'm kind of torn, right? Because again, like going from the beginning of this of this episode till now, like I was I was told to believe, or a school told taught us to believe a certain thing, right? And until and we usually taught that unless we have like evidence of it not happening, um, then it happened, right? Or unless we can prove prove otherwise. Um, I think you're I think you're right. I think Clark's right. I think uh, he. Uh, this, is, this is the Soviets uh, botched the botched the investigation. The way they went about it was just completely wrong. Um, but I do feel that um, one thing that was kind of big in World War II area was espionage. 
Um, one thing that was also pretty big too is that almost every world leader um, had a doppelganger or a double um, to the point where maybe 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 it is a body, maybe it's a real man. Uh, is it actually Hitler? We don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a a life size uh, cutout of him, like glued, shaped, and molded specifically like the clay from um, the original Power Rangers. You know, it could be something like that. Who knows, <laughs> right? Um, but I do say that uh, I do think that there is prob- more probable evidence that he potentially did die in the bunker. But I also think that there is compelling evidence to say that he did get out. Um, I don't think that he made it to specifically to Argentina or South America. Um, like Clark said, is that um, just the just the the trip alone? I think they said it was like anywhere between three to four days. Like he would have mm-hmm. to be on the, like an ocean liner of some kind. Um, I don't think that. Uh, as frail as he was or as sick as he was that he could have made it that that long or that potentially that that long of a trip um especially with all his ailments and stuff like that um but yeah i'm I'm just right now it's history says that he died in bunker so it's compelling until until i totally received compelling evidence that he did not um i think history won this one so all right. I think that's that, that's a good way to take it. Take it too, right? Well, well said. Go ahead, Clark. I just said that's well said. History won this one. I mean, <laughs> we might not actually know, and we might not ever know. Yeah, and that's true. It, it, that could be. That could actually be what happened too. That 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 what we've been taught and what we we've, we've learned could actually be what it is. It's just I think we've said this before. These theories, these conspiracies, these all you know whatever. They are fun to look at. It is interesting to take another perspective and look at things. And if it is, like I said, if it is something where he did die, okay. And if it's not, it's very, very interesting to see like kind of like what he might have done, where he would have gone. So, Um, But I will say, though, that um, if anybody has an itch that needs to be scratched as far as World War II and this specific topic, I'm not trying to promote or tell anybody to watch it. But I do recommend that you watch it because it may may open up some doors or some questions to be answered and probably another podcast. If you guys actually, if you guys watch all the way to the end of season three of the last episode. So, Oh you, yeah, there's a lot of, you're speaking, you're speaking of the, the TV show hunting Hitler. No, hunting. Yes. Correct. Okay. Cause I know that, um, like I said, like I, up until like 2014, it was all like textbooks, right? Mm-hmm. But then I started watching that, understand, and I was like, "Holy crap! Maybe this, maybe this could have happened," you know. So I would recommend to watch it, just uh, if if anything, to push your mind at ease. Well, good. Hey, thanks for thanks for the the shout out there. Thanks for giving our audience. Eric, thank you for stopping by. Loved having you on. Thanks for sharing your 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 thoughts, your opinions, helping us through this episode. Use the audience member. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for you know listening to what we had to say. I hope this was interesting. Hope you learned. I like Seth was saying. He, we, same thing. I learn a <laughs> new shit every time we podcast and everything. It's because of you, Clark. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for all this stuff. And Tristan and Cody and everything like that. They are they're always smart guys to have on too. But use the audience member. Thanks for stopping by again. Um, go ahead and drop us comments. You know, email us. Do whatever you want to do to like tell us what you want to hear on future episodes. Anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. But before we go, there's always one thing I always got to say: is that we don't want stuff that's normal. 
We want stuff that's effing weed.